The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this evening's program. And I have a special guest that I have only met uh, in conversation, but now this evening we see each other um, on the screen of a Zoom screen. So welcome, Kathy Humbugger, to Engaging Truth. It is my privilege and honor to be with you as a guest, uh, Pastor Schultz, and I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have over the next few minutes. One of the things that delights us um, in the work of sharing the Lord Jesus is that there are people in the listening audience uh, who may be lost, may maybe have fallen away or walked away from Jesus and just need to be encouraged. And so we hope that this program not only touches the, the lost people, but the people who need to be touched again with the message of Christ and him crucified and risen. So tell us a little bit about Kathy Umbugger. Well, I was in that category of the lost and wandering for a while um, when I was much younger. And I appreciate grace and compassion that is extended to those who uh, might be in that situation right now. I was born uh, in Columbus, Indiana, and uh, grew up in a uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod home, was blessed to be baptized as an infant and go to St. Peter's Lutheran Elementary School and be confirmed there as well. Little did I know that that foundation was preparing me for what the Lord had in store for me to do much later in my life. So I lived in Columbus, Indiana until I married my husband and we moved. Uh, he was lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so that's where we reside now. We have three children and uh, 14 grandchildren. We have one in heaven that we're waiting to meet and so 13 here on earth and two great grandchildren so um we are have been so blessed by the lord with uh, children and grandchildren and now great grandchildren so when i came to fort wayne i had no anticipation of what uh, was going to unfold here but um, i was privileged to be drawn into the pro-life movement when a dear friend of mine shared with her back in, I think, shared with me, I think it was back in 1985, that uh, she asked me, will you still be my friend if I tell you that I've had an abortion? Well, I knew abortions were going on, but I didn't know anybody I knew that had made, that I that I knew I knew um, uh, that had made an abortion decision. So the Lord grabbed my heart through the broken heart of a, a dear friend who had made an abortion decision and was struggling with the aftermath, the depression and regret and all of those things. So I said, well, of course, tell me your story. Of course, I'll be your friend. Tell me your story. And uh, through that, she allowed me to walk through the healing and uh, forgiveness that we all find for any sin at the foot of the Lord Jesus Christ's cross. And uh, this sin is no worse than any other sin 
the many that we've all committed. So this was before pregnancy resource centers were even founded. Um, it wi were widespread across the country. As a matter of fact, there were no pregnancy resource centers in Fort Wayne at the time. And um, there were re really no post-abortion ministries as we uh, see so prevalent today. So as I worked through this with my friend, uh, Lord grabbed my heart for the broken heart of uh, of my friend who had made this decision. And we were privileged to be part of founding the first pregnancy resource center in Indiana, excuse me, in Fort Wayne. So we uh, moved ahead, opened the pregnancy resource center here. I had two small children at the time and stepped away from pro-life advocacy until the, the children were uh, older. And then I had an incredible opportunity to become the first paid employee of what was then known as Allen County Right to Life. That was um, in January of uh, 2002. And I stayed with that organization until this January, completing 20 years of uh, service and uh, unbelievable opportunities uh, and learning every day more and more about this issue. And now I was again privileged to uh, found an or a national organization called Reprotection. And the purpose of that organization is to hold abortionists and the abortion industry to the laws and regulations that are already on the books. And I have had an incredible experience learning that we can elect pro-life legislators and we should. We can encourage and help them to draft pro-life legislation and we should. But we walk away and think that piece of our, our uh, effort in the pro-life arena is done, only to find out that those who are charged with enforcement are not doing their job. So that's, um, I try to be as brief as possible, but I'm an old timer, so it took me a while to tell the entire story. Why is it so difficult to get pro-life uh, legislation passed? Um, you would seem to think that the culture today would say, we need to save these children. But why is it so difficult to get past, Kathy? Well, at the federal level, of course, it depends entirely upon who's in control of each chamber and the White House. Right now, the climate is not such that the party that typically passes pro-life legislation is in power. However, we anticipate that will change. Um, at the state level, it varies from state to state. I live in Indiana, of course, and I have been disappointed recently at the lack of courage of the legislators and especially the leadership in the House and Senate to pass meaningful pro-life legislation. However, in states around us, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, and, and other states across the country, there seems to be an increased boldness. So I think um, in Indiana, the uh, um, party that is most likely to promote and pass pro-life legislation has, is in the majority in both chambers. And I think they've become a bit complacent. Obviously, this is still a hot button issue and even more so now with some of the uh, uh, events that may unfold going forward. But I think they, if they can get elected without touching this issue, they can tell the, the voters that they're pro-life However, when the rubber meets the road and it's time to act on that, 
they're less likely to do so. I had an experience this past session that's a textbook example of that. If we have time, I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit more. But I think it depends on the leadership in each state and the boldness of those who we elect as legislators, but may have to push back against the leadership that under which they serve. Sometimes we can become very angry about uh, the negative attitude toward pro-life. How do you how do you talk about turning anger into action? Uh, I, I think that's a that's an important detail that we need to to focus on. Absolutely, um, I want people to be angry. I want to stir them, uh, stir their hearts and their emotions and uh, their sensibilities to be angry about the abortion issue. But I also want to uh, help them channel that anger into action. And I have long said that there is no one that the Lord has created that doesn't have a gift that can be used in defending the unborn. So whatever that uh, gifting is for that person, there is a place for, for you to be a part of this fight. And I know that oftentimes um, we don't know where to turn, but I am more than happy to direct anyone to uh, a, a place where they can make a difference. And I'd be glad to, if, if anyone wants to contact me, contact me at Kathy, C-A-T-H-I-E, at reprotection, R-E-P-R-O-T-E-C-T-I-O-N dot org. And I will be glad to plug you in to a place where you can make a difference wherever you are across the country. Uh, uh, I think there's nothing any worse than thinking I'm just one person and I can't do anything. Well, a lot of it is just a matter of getting up, dressing up and showing up. If you're available and you're willing and you ask the Lord, there will be an assignment for you where you can make a difference. Sometimes, whether you're living in the state of Indiana or living in the state of Texas or wherever you're living, uh, there are people who get elected to positions in the House of Representatives or in the, the Senate on the basis of their pro-life uh, thinking. But when they get into the elected office, their mentality on this changes. Tell me about right. that and what, what happens to those folks? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with um, fighting hard to get elected and then getting into that uh, body of government and trying to find out how it all works and where you fit and newly elected legislators may be a little less likely to speak out, um, especially when there is an attempt being made to not address these issues. But we bear a responsibility, too. We obviously need to know who's running for every office and vote for the pro-life candidate and then support them during the election process as well. And then when they get elected, we need to reach out to them and remind them of the promises and the position that they took before and encourage them. Oftentimes, they once they're elected, they feel like, Everybody has gone on to other things, but that can be the time that we are most needed to encourage them and to to uh, uh, they have a lot of issues that they're dealing with. 
but we can be their pro-life resource and encourager. And of course, we must pray for our elected officials, uh, especially those who we've supported and we know and we know need boldness and courage. I'm sure you've run into the person that I'm going to be describing to you, and I'm going to ask you how you would deal with this. Let's say this person is um, is a member of the church that you belong to. You know mm-hmm. them. The elected official? Yes. Uh, no, okay. no, just a, just a person that uh, is not well, elected. Well, they could yeah. be elected. But let's just say that they're not elected. And in a discussion in a Bible class one day, um, Kathy understands that this lady friend of hers is pro-abortion. And she's belonging to your church. Uh, how do you how do you deal with that? And um, what are the what are the steps that you would take to deal with that, Kathy? Well, in the first uh, in the very first place, I wouldn't call her out publicly, and I wouldn't engage in this uh, conversation publicly uh, if it's brought up in a Bible class. Uh, listen, but then. If you can approach or when you can approach the individual privately, uh, say something like, I was really interested in the comments that you made in Bible class. Would you be willing to have a cup of coffee with me and help me understand more where you're coming from? And then as you engage in that conversation, allowing them without being threatened or feeling um, intimidated to share why they are uh, they support abortion and then listen very carefully and there are uh, questions that you can ask oh well that's interesting tell me why you came to that conclusion uh, it's it's really not that hard we just need to remember not to be angry but to be gracious and there are several organizations that offer un- uh, online training as to how to have these conversations um, um, Scott Klusendorf's uh, organization uh, is one that comes to mind. Uh, they're, they're, uh, and uh, uh, Pastor Mike Spencer, uh, they all provide training. And I will get you the links to their websites so that if anyone is interested, they can go on the website and learn how to have these gracious but persuasive arguments, or maybe not even arguments, but discussions. And it's amazing how that approach is much more likely to turn the person's um, um, position uh, to one that is pro-life once we're able to get them to understand or to listen, but we need to earn that right to share the information that we have. Scott Klusendorf told me one time, if the person that you're talking with gets angry, you've lost. Doesn't make any difference how right your points are or any anything like that. If your goal is to walk away with someone who um, at least reconsiders their position, making them angry is not going to help. Glad you could join us today for Engaging Truth. Our only prayer is that the message of Christ made here today will seek its depth in your mind and your heart. Every message played on air and streamed to America via KKHT 100.7 FM is hosted by volunteers. If you're curious about our additional programming, both present and past, go to our website at elmhouston.org and explore how God is using this programming to draw people to Him. Also on the website, you can discover ways to contribute and support this ministry. 
If you would like to contribute to this ministry, send it to ELM, P.O. Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410. Prayer is our fuel and our strength. Let me get a little closer to home, and that's okay. um, with pastors. Do we, do we hide behind um, whatever legislation is happening within the community, or ought we be more bold in talking about pro-life from the pulpit and in Bible class studies? What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I will answer that question with, um, conversations that I've had, and they've been more than one, with women who are um, attending church, and um, they don't hear anything about abortion because these the women that I've spoken with have perhaps made an abortion decision, and afterwards they tell me, "Well, this must be the unforgivable sin because my pastor has never talked about it." So. They talk about every other thing, you know, from uh, greed to uh, uh, whatever whatever the issue might be. Uh, however, they never say anything about the life issue. So, therefore, my the sin that I committed must be the unforgivable sin. So, if they're having those thoughts after, why would they think before that uh, the church uh, has a better choice for them if they've never heard anything about it from the pulpit or from the Bible class or in a newsletter or even as simple as the pastor praying every week for women who are facing challenging pregnancies and perhaps even have an abortion scheduled that week, that the Lord would touch their hearts and help them make a better decision and then make it public. Uh, I'm not, not focused on any one person, but just make it known in the church that if there is a, a woman who is in a difficult situation to please come to an identified person, be it a pastor or pastor's wife or whatever, and let us come alongside you and help you make a decision that you want to help you consider your decision before you decide uh, something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. So um, I think there's been a stony silence from the church and that has communicated non-verbally a lot to people about the church's acceptance. So, um, and, and I've heard pastors say that, um, well, I know people in my church that have had abortions and I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to make them feel bad. Well, I understand that, but what we're doing when we don't address abortion as a sin and also communicate the message of grace and forgiveness at the same time um, uh, we're denying the woman and uh, the mother uh, an opportunity to repent of her sin and be forgiven and be restored uh, as for any other sin that we've committed. So if we're just going to gloss it over, I think we're doing a disservice to the women that need to hear uh, the message of forgiveness. But if they're if we're not discussing it, not only are they not hearing the message of forgiveness, but they have no idea where their church stands. That's the most beautiful thing that you could have said, and that is that uh, that woman who's burdened with something that she's done stupidly or carelessly in the past needs to be reassured that Jesus is forgiving and that his hand of forgiveness is over her, just like he's over the, the nice people who seem to not do things bad. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, you were elected in 2022 um, CEO for Reproduction Inc. Tell me about that and why is that important? Okay, well, uh, as I was um, involved as the executive director of Right to Life of Northeast Indiana here in Fort Wayne, my office was right next door to the abortion provider. And I would look out my window every Thursday morning, which was procedure day in Fort Wayne. And I would see women going into the abortion facility. And a couple of hours later, stumbling out with an arm thrown around the friend that brought them and an arm thrown around an abortion facility staff member, stumble down the steps, literally be dragged across the parking lot to the car and collapse in the backseat of her car. And I'm thinking to myself, how come the abortionist doesn't have to have a wheelchair ramp. It, it seems that everybody else has to. So from my investigation in into uh, and research into the wheelchair ramp issue, we ultimately came to a point where we found um, many violations that the abortionist was committing. We filed many complaints and eventually we're, we were able to shut him down. So from that um, uh, experience, I was approached about taking the same strategy um, across the, the country. And so we founded Reprotection, which is smooshing together re, uh, reproduction and protection to make a new word, reprotection. Um, and now we're going from uh, one state to another, helping those people do the same thing we did here in Indiana when we closed down three abortion facilities. Kathy, when you are in the position that you're in, if by grace and um, I'm thanking God for just you being willing to talk about this this thing. I want to ask you, when you peek around the corner and see the future of what you have done and what the pro-life movement is doing, what are your thoughts? Well, it's going to be a new world, I think, in, pro, in the pro-life fight um, after the Supreme Court decision comes down this summer, depending on what their decision is and how wide-sweeping it is. It could return the abortion decision back to every state. So there are some states, of course, that are going to be firmly entrenched in the abortion business and, and protect that in their state. And there are going to be others that prohibit abortion and, and perhaps outright ban abortions in their states. So the fight is going to go back to the states. But the overarching uh, thing that we must be aware of is we have to have services and help for women who are in crisis pregnancies and perhaps would have chosen an abortion, but that door may be closed to them now. So how can we help them uh, in their situation that they're in? And in the states that are most likely, and some have already done so, to protect uh, abortion in their state, there are other ways that we can continue the fight. There may be states, and many of them are, uh, they don't give a fig about abortion or regulating abortions, but they're regulation crazy. And they, we found that the abortionists are violating many of those other regulations, be it related to um, environmental protection uh, laws and, and regulations or, you know, some things as simple as how many parking spaces uh, does their zoning require for them to have in their parking lot and are they uh, complying? So the whole idea is not to necessarily bring these abortion facilities up to standard and then we're okay with it. But it's uh, kind of like uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. So if we can continue to get them fined and increase their their the, their 
cost of operating because they have to comply with all these regulations, the number of abortions will drop. And there are many seedy abortion businesses that we've seen already when we hold them accountable, just merely close their doors. Kathy Humbugger, I want to say thank you for being on tonight. We've already concluded our time, so, time all I can, so fast. all I can say to you is thank you, and may God continue to bless you for what you are doing, what you have done, and may the grace of God continue to give you strength to pursue pro-life in Indiana. Thank you for joining us this evening on Engaging Truth. Come back to us again next Sunday night. Thank you, and good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.